Hey, before we start, I just wanted to say um, if any of this makes you feel anything which means that you want to talk to someone, then please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Am I right in saying here that that sense of I'm being a burden on you can mm-hmm. develop that young and then be something that we carry with us our whole life? Yes, I think absolutely. Wow. Today is all about the B word. The B word is the reason we struggle to talk to each other. Ironically, though, it's also arguably the most beautiful part of being a human. My name's Will McMahon, and I've set myself a challenge. Over the next few weeks, using my radio show, Will and Woody, and this podcast, I intend to create an app which answers this question. How can we communicate without talking? Because we all know that when you're struggling with your mental health, the best thing to do is to tell someone. But paradoxically, when you're in it, that's often the hardest thing to do. Talking fails us. So I'm here to answer the question... Without talking, how do I share my mood? If you haven't guessed it already, the B word is burden. But that was another kind of big wake-up call because um, with the show, I didn't tell anyone. So my family, my best friends, my my yeah, my other friends um, who who saw it for the first time, like had no idea. This is Steen Raskopoulos. Steen is a phenomenal comedian and character actor. He now lives in London and is in The Duchess on Netflix. He's in Hamish and Andy's True Story. He sells out shows all over the country. The works. The guy is a gun. But recently, his last stand-up show, he actually had to use as a vehicle to try and tell everybody what he was going through. And it wasn't until I did, did my show... Uh, called Stay in 2018-19, yep. where I kind of put everything on the on the line, and that yep. was. And I think whenever I perform, I, I, I have a different persona where I feel more confident in speaking. Um, so when I did that show, I kind of told everyone and anyone, um, you know, what I was suffering with, the sadness I was suffering with from the day to day, from the year to year, um, and previous. Um, and I didn't tell anyone what that show was about. It was the first time I ever Mm. got a director on board. Because you had to help them navigate, help you navigate the material. Yeah, definitely. And also I, I didn't want to do a show where people thought like, not, not that it was like, um, like wanky or anything like that, yeah. but it's just a fine line between you it's know funny. people thinking, is this art or is it you know a bit of self righteous kind of vibe. Yeah. What you're about to hear next is honestly truly amazing. Steen's sense of being a burden on those around him nearly cost him his life, and it wasn't until a random expression of love from his grandfather that he was reminded that he wasn't a burden at all. He was loved regardless of what he thought of himself. I was probably the worst I've ever been in my life and hopefully will ever be in my life. And I was going to do something very silly and stupid. And my dad came into my room. I was saying my parents um, at that time just because I wasn't in a good spot. And my dad goes, oh, like, you got to go, you got to drive your bubble to, to the doctors tomorrow. No one else can do it. Everyone's busy, blah, blah, blah. And in my head, I'm like, oh, fuck, I was going to do this thing. Um yeah. And I'm like, oh, all right, I guess I can like wait another day. And I remember picking him up 
and he's got he suffers from dementia so i've been recording our conversations for for years kind of thing oh wow and um yeah it wasn't until i was driving to the doctors that we started having a chat everyone of all of us yeah loved you very 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 much oh bandi yaya nula anthea all but you deserve it kare the loving you deserve you you are a very intelligent boy you understand yeah. uh. when i see you i see all the world yeah <laughs> that's pretty much like one of the one of the high and as soon as he said that in the car when i was driving it just felt like this big, I felt, I felt like a massive like fish was just like slapped across my face. Like a proper <laughs> woke me up. And I was just like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, what are you absolutely doing, you idiot? Take a moment if you need to. I think I've heard that audio at least 10 times now and I'm always left with tears in my eyes. Maybe because, like you, we don't hear that we're loved enough. We don't hear that we deserve love. We're constantly told that we're not enough. And we're always so conscious of occupying other people's time and other people's thoughts. And I'm speaking about this broadly and I'm generalizing it because I know that we all feel some sense of this. That's what it is to be human. And yet a random expression of love from Steen's grandfather put his life back on track and snapped him out of this. It reminded him that he's not a burden. But it took this grand gesture of love to snap him out of it. And even then, he only felt comfortable telling other people around him, his friends, his family, what he was going through via a character that he had to play on stage. I didn't tell anyone. So my family, my best friends, my my yeah, my other friends um, who, who saw it for the first time, like had no idea. And they all were like crying afterwards and like, why didn't you tell us? Like, you, I'm like, is that true? I'm like, yeah, like that's that's the point of depression. Sometimes when you can't, you can't vocalize how you're feeling because you feel like you're you're placing a burden on them. You don't want them to be upset. You don't want them to worry about you. That's the point of depression. It's so true. The sense of being a burden just builds up to such a level that you feel like you you can't tell anyone. You feel like you can't move. The thing is, though. You don't need to have suffered a mental illness or have issues with your mental health to feel like being a burden on your friends and family. How many times have you been stressed at work or going through a breakup and then when your friends ask you how you are, you look them in the eye and you say you're okay, even when they know that you're not and you know that they know that you're not. For some invisible reason, the way out is blocked by this sense of being a burden on the person that you're telling. And that, I think, is the reason that we actually don't talk about our mental health. That's the reason we don't talk about anything inside our own heads. It's almost like it's this burden thing is hardwired into us. So I actually did some digging to find out if that was true. Hello, Kirsten speaking. Hey, Kirsten speaking. This is Will speaking. How are you? 
I'm very well, Will. This is Kirsten Anderson-Rich. She's a clinical and counselling psychologist in sunny WA. And she also runs something called the Private Practice Academy. Like all good psychs, she has the capacity to ask questions, even socially. And then they just get you to spill your thoughts and emotions. You know when you're sort of in the stage of a a project where you realise that you might have bitten off more than you can chew? Um, yes, I do know exactly what you're talking about. I'm there. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm right in the thick of it. I'm still in my dressing gown and I'm, um, uh, so I'm sitting here with my computer. I've got cables going everywhere. The reason I'm playing you that is that, interestingly, good psychs have got this amazing ability to get you to spill. They somehow get past this burden thing. And I wanted to get to the bottom of that. When people come in and they talk about, you know, what's going on for them, yeah. um, you know, you can you can see in their face when, when they're telling you, you know, yeah. there's a look in their eye where they, they're kind of waiting for 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 me when, when we're talking to kind of go, oh, and what do you think about that? <laughs> you know, and I often, I being able to, I guess, read that and yeah. kind of go, wow, that's that's obviously been really tough for you to talk about. And yeah. I really appreciate that you've been able to share that with me. And rather than sort of give a really animated response and go, oh, oh, you know. Which, yeah. You know, I guess people are worried about judgment and, and being, you know, rejected as if to say, oh, mm, really? So yeah. people people don't want that. They want to be accepted. They want to be connected. So yeah. I think it's fear of fear of judgment. Will so you think it, it it essentially comes into this 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 sense that um, we all want to feel included and 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 part of things. Um, Sen- yeah, sense of belonging. I think will. a sense of belonging. Yeah. Okay. Mm. You know, if you think about people that come into therapy who've had a lot of challenge, a lot of, you know, difficulties in their life, you know, when we dig around a bit, what we tend to find, Mm. not always, but what we tend to find is that people don't have a connection with family. They don't have a lot of close friends. They don't have people that they can kind of go to and say, hey, this is really tough for me and I need you to to be there for me because Mm. people are really concerned that – People won't be. Yeah. So so, and 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 when they're not there for them, and mm. you're and you're and you're worried that they're not going to be there for you. That's so interesting. Mm. So so you think there's a lot of fear there. So so if we go back to that sense of belonging, you think there's a lot of mm. fear there that that they're not going to be accepted for the belonging. Um, then they're, they're yes. not going to be accepted by the other person. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's so interesting. Yep. Okay, so I really love this stuff. How and why our brains work fascinates me. So I've actually done you the service of cutting out a lot of my shit in this chat and I'm just going to let Kirsten summarise where I got to because I'm pretty sure I ranted for about 20 minutes. But essentially, I assumed that this need to belong that Kirsten is talking about was not something that could be tainted or informed by your family because I thought they're your family, you know, like you're always going to belong with them, right? I think as you were talking there, I was thinking about, you know, you started off sort of saying that there's 
you know, when you've got family and you're, you know, you're in and they're your people. Yeah. Um, I guess there's, there's many things that go with that. I guess if, you know, there's always the clinical side of it, if someone has clinical depression or clinical anxiety. But yeah. look, if we look at it and kind of go, okay, somebody that you love dearly, you're going to have a huge investment in um, them accepting you. Yeah. You know, oh, I see what you mean because you, you need them to yeah. accept you. You need them, you need to, them accept, to accept. Yeah, you. yeah. Because, yeah. as, as I said, they're your people. You're seeing them every day. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So, like, obs- so, ostensibly, you'd think that would be the easier part, but they're the ones where you've got the chips in the game with those guys. Mm-hmm. You're going to see them every day. That's not just a yeah. That's 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 a wonderful point, Kirsten. I'm not sure she needed my validation there, but she really hit me between the eyes. Nothing like a psychologist to slap you in the face with a home truth. As a side note. Diagnosed mental illness or not, I I think everyone should see a psych, even just for a session. They're so helpful at untangling your past. They're trained at it. Kirsten's so good at it, she doesn't even realize she's doing it. She's like Ricky Ponting rolling his wrists on a pull shot. It's effortless, but it's so impressive. She's picking me apart when I'm trying to pick her apart. It's wild. Back to her point, though. It doesn't matter how old you are. Our parents and family's affirmations is always the pinnacle of success. You might hate to hear that, but no matter how hard you wriggle, deep down, you know I'm right. No matter what I do in my life, a message or support or affirmation from my siblings or my parents always carries this extra weight of validation to the point where receiving it feels so sweet that it's almost relieving, like I get a pass. How did I overlook this? Family is often masked as this security blanket, and sure it can be, but it also informs a lot, if not all, of your learned behaviour as a baby. And this fact alone is the clue to unlocking the entire Rubik's Cube of burden and why it enslaves us. Just going to be really transparent here because this is something I sort of went through when I was really flat and trying to figure out what was going on with me was that my psych at the time, Claire, was telling me that I was what she thought was a schema where mm. I sort of developed these, um, yeah, like behavioural patterns between the age of two and six um, yep. where because of interactions that I was having with my parents or, or something that had gone on in their life, that had really heavily embedded its its way into my brain so that yes. the, the neural pathways there would, would – that was the only way that I knew – how to interact and it sort yes. of informed a lot of my fears around interaction. And and the really funny thing is I'm only realizing this now because I've got mates who are now parents. Yes. And I know how hard it is on them. And like mm. just the whole thing. I haven't even got a kid yet and I'm nervous about it. Saving, yes. you know, your mortgage, you you know, let alone your relationship with your own parents who are starting to get yes. on. Mm-hmm. I used to look at my parents like, you know, at, 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 at you know, because I'm now the age that my parents were when they had me. Yes. I, I'd look at them in the past and be like, oh, geez, those guys have just always had it figured out. But that's not the truth. Like they're, they're me. No. They're me right now. And I'm I'm as beautifully messed up as ever. So my question for you now, and I'm kind of joining the dots a little bit in my head, is are you telling me that when you're a kid – the child realizes even at the age of like, well, however young, mm. when they've expressed grief to their parent, 
and the parent, maybe they haven't said it, but again, if we go back to that beautiful subconscious muscle of empathy, I'm not sure when that develops, but the baby obviously sees in the parent, whoa, I've given you something now, even just through crying or screaming or whatever that you're struggling with. Mm. Does that sense, am I right in saying here that that sense of I'm being a burden on you can Mm. develop that young and then be something that we carry with us our whole life? Yes. Shit. I don't know about you, but that's mind blown for me. How I behave and my sense of being a burden on anyone and yours, you're not excluded from this. Your sense of being a burden on people is informed by how stressed your parents were when you upset them as a kid. I just reckon that's wild. Like, your sense of being a burden, arguably your greatest inhibitor to receiving love from other people, is generated by the people who arguably loved you the most? My mind is coming out my ears, but she's got more. When a child is coming into a parent and they're really distressed about something, you know, we as parents make up our mind whether we think this is a reasonable thing to be upset about or not. Right. And or if we've got time to be upset about this or not. Yeah. And so sometimes we miss those signs. And in the child where they're kind of going, this has really upset me, I'm trying to tell mum or dad, they're not really listening. And so if that happens on a semi-regular basis, Will, yeah. the child does very much learn yeah. that uh, that is not, you know, feelings of uncertainty yeah. um, are not accepted. Not feelings accepted. Of, yeah, not accepted or feelings of anger are not accepted yeah. or, or distress. Yeah. And you know, if we if we look at something called emotional perfectionism, yeah. you know, and I guess if we look at that, what is that? I guess sometimes parents can, um, I guess, well, unwittingly, really, yeah. believe that we shouldn't feel emotions like anger or jealousy or distress or anxiety. Yeah. So they kind of push that away, and the message that that gives the child is, oh. That's not accepted. That's not accepted. That's not okay. Yeah. No. And so they shut that down. And so, wow. you know, we were talking, yeah, why is it that kids don't, you know, want to tell parents? Well, yeah. they don't want to disappoint. They really don't. And they really do want to be accepted. Yeah. So, so, so amazingly then, Kirsten, sorry if I'm getting very animated about this, but no, the, the, the sense of belonging that you were talking about at the start of this, the sense yes. of belonging is one and the same or it, it, it it's a it's a double edged sword with with the burden thing. They're really that you're you're as a baby you're you're obviously the person that you want to belong with. Your tribe mm. is your parents. It's your family. Yes. And then so that's the drive. That's the sense of belonging is the drive here. But then yes. the, the, the 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 block to that, the thing that's stymieing your attempt to belong mm. is the reaction that people give you when you reach out for that belonging at the start of your mm. life. Yes. Yes, it does begin there. It absolutely begins there. And what I think as well, Will, is- Wow, sorry, that is absolutely fucked. <laughs> like, and it's <laughs> fucked because it's fucked because, because there's no way, there's absolutely no way 
that any parent, unless they're like Buddha, is mm. it, when they've got their life and their own woes and their own mental mm. health and their own financial like problems is ever going to be completely, to borrow a word I learned on meditation retreat, equanimous, yep. when their kid is screaming in their face, there's just yep. no way. Like you, you, you're going to be frustrated. You absolutely are. So we're all cooked. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. We can't all be imbued with this sense of burden coincidentally. There had to be a universally shared moment. The reality is that no one is a perfect parent. Being a parent is fucking stressful. I'm not even a parent yet and it looks cooked. And this just doesn't come down to the fact that you don't love your child. In fact, it feels like it's the opposite. Every parent probably loves their child so much and is so concerned about them that they get distressed when their baby is. The more I unpack our psychology on this podcast, I'm starting to realise that our brain and systems are just so prehistoric that they're completely ill-equipped to deal with contemporary life. There's just no wonder that we have this crisis. We might need an app to solve this issue, Will. Don't worry, I hear you. But before I finish today's episode, after learning all this stuff from Kirsten... I wanted an example of how this burden stuff is expressed. So just a reminder that it's not all gobbledygook, that our love and the need to be included transcends generations constantly. That's what we just learned. And then it manifests in us so that even as adults, even with the ones that we love the most, we withhold how we're really feeling as we protect ourselves from a burn that we felt decades ago from our mum and dad. I can't get over that but it's about to be proved right okay i thought you didn't want any toast no but i figured if i keep eating it i have to go (laughs) (laughs) can i have a bite (laughs) sam just time wise yeah i've got that well, no, it's like, it's okay, but... We haven't got that. It's okay. I'm just going to take long. Okay. This is my partner, Sam. As you can hear, right. she's a master deflector. Mm-hmm. She's literally throwing everything at me not to talk about herself. <sighs> I'm going to have to wait for you to finish the toast. Oh, have a clip in my mouth. No, Sam. Come on. For all sorts of reasons, this wasn't an easy chat. Everyone can buy into your work and your idea, but people closest to you will always be your harshest critic. And Sam is also Dutch, so she wields honesty like a mace. When you are when you are depressed, the best thing to do is to talk to people about the fact that you're depressed. But um, that's the hardest thing to do, right? Yes. Yeah, but it also think that everyone's different. Yeah. Okay. Well, this isn't you. Quite. <laughs> This isn't you challenging my theory. You're here to provide evidence. (laughs) You're not here to question question the lawyer. No, yeah, everyone's different. Everyone's different. In hindsight, I actually can't believe I got this audio. She was so flat at the time, and God, I love her so much for actually letting me use this recording because, as you're about to hear, she was actually really struggling at the time. 
and officially diagnosed with something or not, we've all been here. It's the perfect example of someone struggling and yet still not wanting to reach out or to reveal to the person that they love, even to the person opposite them, what they're going through. She doesn't want to be a burden on me. You've been quite depressed recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. What? <laughs> well, you have been. You've been, you've been very depressed recently. Yeah. It's, yeah. Been, it's been pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Put a big strain on our relationship. Mm-hmm. It has. <laughs> Sorry, it has. Yeah. It's been shocking. Yeah. It's been really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of the first things that you did, essentially, when, you know, all this started coming about, is you stopped talking to people. Mm-hmm. And you still haven't spoken to a lot of people. No. Like, Woody came around here the other day and you locked yourself in the toilet. Yes. Yeah. All right. Did you not, <laughs> did you not want me to say that? <laughs> no, because, like, when you say it like that, you make it sound so much worse. Well, that's what happened. Like, it's not a... It's, you know, but I think it's worth you realising that that's what we're dealing with here. Yeah, but it's not, like, so, like... Yeah, OK. Go you on. locked yourself in the toilet when Woody came over here. Well, I didn't lock myself. I just went to the toilet. I had to go anyway. <laughs> No, you didn't. <laughs> okay, go on. Because, like, like, if we're being honest, like, when you were depressed initially, you, well, for a couple of weeks there, you, you cut off your family as well, who you speak to quite a bit. Yeah. What's the reason for that? But, Will, you made me cry. It's so annoying. I was doing really well today as well. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. This is my toast. <laughs> I don't think I can do this. You can. I can't. I will. I don't think I can do this. Yeah, you can. Come on. You can do it. This is important. What about with me? Because well, you. there was a period very early on in all this, mm-hmm. where you were, I knew what was going on, but you were making a huge effort to hide from me what was going on. Was it? Yeah, remember that? Remember I got home one night and I said, you need to stop keeping this from me. Like, I can obviously tell that something's happening. I said that to you. Remember I gave you a hug and then you cried Mm -hmm. and then you said, this is taking so much energy for me to conceal it from you. Why were you concealing it from me? Because I don't want to be a burden on you. For me in particular? Yeah. Even though you know that, you know? It's probably, now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably I don't want to be a burden on anyone. It's got nothing to do with pity. It's, yeah, being a burden on someone. Mm. And pity. It's both. Yeah, yeah. Because from some people it's pity, from some people it's a burden. But the pity thing is, or like, is or, tied or, in or, with, or with the burden Or not just pity, stuff, but also it? like, oh my God, also mm. the opposite of pity, but mm. like the... Sorry. The... <laughs> yeah. Um... I'm still, I don't know, you said in English, like, um, whinging 
Like, oh, you don't want to be seen as whinging about your problem. Yeah. Because how good is my life? Like, mm. why would I be whinging about that? The next part of this conversation is absolutely fascinating because I think nearly everyone can relate. But funnily enough, you are a big whinger. I'm not. You're a huge whinger. Yeah, well, I'm a whinger, but, like, I'm not a whinger in terms of... I whinge about cold and, like, stuff like that, but I'm, like, not... You don't like whinging about your issues. Yeah, that's, I think that's different than being... Yeah, I'm a massive whinger. <laughs> you whinge about having a stone in your shoe. Yeah. As opposed to whinging yeah. about... I have so a why sore they, elbow. So why are, they, why are they different? Why are, you, why are you able to whinge about some sort of, like, you know... Well, that's probably... The fire, the fire being too smoky in your face, which you whinge about all the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I chose for a fire pit yeah. rather than a chimney, exactly. which is a great decision. But let's say you whinge about that, but you're not willing to whinge about something because which nobody thinks that you're whinging about and also could be a way out for you. Why not? I don't know what you mean. Well, like, you're, you're willing to whinge about something as small and as annoying and as petty as smoke in your face or a stone in your shoe mm-hmm. or cold feet when you go to bed. Yeah. But you're not willing to whinge about something which is actually really important that you whinge about because it's actually going to help you get through it. Yeah, but I think that's... So why, why, why what, what's the difference between those whinges? I don't know. You tell me. So she's flat batted it back to me again. That damn Dutch honesty. But it is a bloody good question. And hopefully one that Kirsten answered earlier. And it points directly at the practical absurdity of this burden gear. Why do we all feel so comfortable to complain about our bills and our pimples and the lack of ergonomic chairs in the office or the fact that HBO release episodes week by week rather than a whole season at a time. But we won't complain about something which is deeply affecting us. The truth is, all that other stuff is just fluff. But explaining a real problem, telling someone that you're suffering with yourself to someone who loves you can be the difference between living a happy life or not. And I just think that's crazy that we don't do it. But as crazy as it is, that's the deal. And to be honest, unless you've got another 400 million years of evolution in your back pocket, then that's the model we're left with. In a lot of ways, it's also beautiful. Like the love between parents and children. I remember hearing David Attenborough once say that the reason mammals are the most successful species on the planet now is because of that bond. It's the reason Harry Potter survived. It's the reason we want to feel like we belong. And we don't want to get rid of that. That's a wonderful part of being human. But what we do want to do, we want to keep that good stuff and we want to find a way around the prehistoric clunkiness which isn't working today. That's the stuff which stops you and me from sharing my mood. And the good news is, I actually think we can. Talking about our problems, sure, that's failing us. But just like that ramp on Cooper Trooper Beach in Mario Kart... There's actually a cheat to get past the burden problem and we can keep all the good stuff, the love between your parents that comes with us. And the cheat's actually pretty well known. 
just like that ramp on Koopa Trooper Beach. Everyone knows that thing. Don't try and play Mario Kart against me and tell me there's a ramp there one more time. It'll kill me. But anyway, back to that cheat. For Amy Shark, it was writing songs. For Steen Raskopoulos, it was doing a show about himself. It's something for you that you do every day without fail. And in the next episode of Share My Mood, I'll tell you what it is. Share My Mood is produced by Jackson McLennan, all music by Robert Bremner, cover designed by Lockie Sue, and a huge thanks to my co-host and best mate Woody Whitelaw for suffering me and also to all my team who have to continue to support a pipe dream for me, particularly our audio producer Tim who puts off actually producing our radio show so that I can put the narration in and also my beautiful partner Sammy who has to listen to herself, listen to me record this stuff, make me dinner and have me not talk to her because this is all I'm focusing on. Love you. Just a quick reminder before I go um, that if anything in the podcast brought up anything for you where you feel like you need to talk to someone, then you, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. They'll listen to you no matter what your problem is. That's the amazing part of the service. So use it, 13 11 14.